Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Every Current. I'm your host, Samantha Gilman, and I am joined by EPRI's Senior Program Manager for Advanced Nuclear, Craig Stover, and the Nuclear Energy Institute's Executive Director for New Nuclear, Mark Nickel. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. Today, we'll be discussing advanced nuclear technology and the recently published Roadmap for Advanced Reactors. First of all, Craig, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at EPRI? Sure. So I manage the Advanced Nuclear Technology Program at EPRI. Uh, so I'm you know, responsible for our portfolio of research on deploying new reactors. Uh, that could be new reactors of any type or size. Um, but primarily these days, uh, we focus heavily on advanced reactors. And Mark, tell our listeners a little bit about who NEI is and your role with the organization. Yeah, NEI stands for Nuclear Energy Institute, and we're an industry organization, meaning we're, our members are uh, industry companies. They are utilities that own nuclear energy, other customers that are interested in, in uh, owning it, developers of that technology, supply chain companies. And our role within the industry is to represent the industry in uh, policy matters and regulatory matters and, and also uh, uh, in, in public um, media as well. Great. Well, let's dive right into our topic for today. Um, and give our listeners a little more background on what advanced nuclear is. Craig, let's start with you. Can you tell us a bit about how advanced nuclear can contribute to the low-carbon future? And are you seeing demand for advanced nuclear grow to support this clean energy future? Absolutely. You know, so in, in my role as I travel around talking to different utilities, talking to various um, industrial customers, you know, um, petrochemical companies, data centers. There's one thing that really rings true with all of them. And all of these organizations have committed to some sort of a low carbon goal. Most of them have committed to something like a net zero goal by 2050. And so they're all in a very similar um, part of the process of trying to figure out, okay, how do we meet this goal that we committed to? Um, and so as they do their resource planning and they look at the options that are available to them to be net zero by 2050, that includes, of course, renewables. It includes um, carbon capture. It includes energy storage. Um, but it also includes advanced nuclear. Um, and so certainly for, for many of these organizations, having nuclear or advanced nuclear is a really important um, part of what's going to be able to get them across the finish line and achieving this goal. So we we do see an increasing interest and demand for, for nuclear. And before we venture too far into this conversation, uh, Craig, if you could give me just a quick description, what is the difference between just nuclear energy and advanced nuclear energy, if there is an answer to that? Absolutely. So, you know, if we think about nuclear energy today, all the plants or most of the plants that operate all around the world today are these large light water plants um, from a technology standpoint. Um, when you think about advanced nuclear, it could be very similar technology from a reactor standpoint, still light water technology, but like a small modular reactor that's just a smaller version of what we've used today. But we're also seeing new technologies uh, like 
molten salt reactors and high temperature gas reactors um, and fast reactors. And we see these options as well. Um, all of the small modular reactors and the non-light water reactors, like I just talked about, we kind of group all that into a class that we call advanced reactors. Um, but really, it's, it's a tough definition because what we're really saying is all of the new, te- all of the new technologies um, beyond what we would have used in the past. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that. So, uh, you know, ad- advanced nuclear is interesting because, as uh, Craig pointed out, the, the large reactors to the market looks like we offer one product. And it's wonderful at what it does, 1,000 megawatts on, on the grid all the time, made for large grids. But not everybody needs that product. They, some need smaller products. Some need flexible products. Some need uh, advanced reactor designs that, that can produce heat instead of electricity. And so that's uh, another aspect of advanced reactors is that they're, they're bringing nuclear energy to markets and customers that they could never uh, before be, be able to access it. And, 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 and then the critical thing about advanced nuclear is that they're making improvements in the economics or in the efficiency or, or production of, of, of energy and, and even in, in the area of safety. Um, now, nuclear energy is one of the safest industries in the world today, but we're building upon that, that safety record and, and improving it even, even beyond that. And so to expand a bit of what you were just talking about, Mark, what are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities for successful deployment of advanced reactors? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the opportunities because uh, to me, that's the most exciting. And we, we see opportunities being driven by large macro uh, conditions. So we all are, are familiar with um, the, the, the urgency toward addressing climate change and the need to, to reduce carbon. And as Craig pointed out, everybody's realizing that the, the best portfolio that is also reliable and economic needs to include a lot more nuclear energy. And so that's, that's one major driver. The other is in resilience and reliability. Uh, we see storms like the Texas winter storm a few years ago that uh, because there wasn't the resiliency and reliability built in, um, the, the grid went out uh, or almost went out. And, and certainly there was a lot of, of uh, economic and, and uh, other disruptions based on that. And then the third macro condition that we're seeing now is also national security. So as um, Russia has invaded uh, into Ukraine and uh, everybody really is relooking at, well, where is the source of our energy? And not just uh, directly, but indirectly through fuel and other things. If people are coming to realize, well, nuclear energy delivers on all of those. Um, what probably the only energy source that can deliver on all of those. And so there's, there's really a lot of drive and interest in that. And, and then coupled with that uh, is, is the recognition, well, nuclear energy also helps to decarbonize other sectors, not just electricity generation, but transportation, uh, industrial heat processes. And, and those are, there, there's no other uh, technology out there that, to, that's available today that can do that. So, so that's where the opportunity is. A large market opportunity in the U.S., some have estimated two or 300 gigawatts of new nuclear may be needed. Um, and to put that into perspective, Today, we have uh, about 100 gigawatts in operation, so two to three times more than what we already have installed. Worldwide, it's even much more than that. So those are the opportunities. So 
when we get into what are the challenges and, and there's a lot of, I call them day to day challenges in terms of we need to, to work on design and, and things like this. But the biggest challenges I put into two buckets. It's the first challenge is right in front of us. We have to be able to deploy the first advanced nuclear uh, reactors and we need to do it successfully. Uh, we haven't de- built a lot of nuclear energy uh, for a very long time. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And the second is how do we go from, uh, from in initial market adoption of nuclear energy into large-scale deployment, uh, roughly in the 20, mid-2030s. And that's going to come with a lot of challenges in terms of how do we scale the supply chain, the workforce, how does the regulator keep up with the casework, um, you know, how do we make sure that, that the public is, is engaged, all of these, these sorts of factors. So, Mark, you were just talking about some of the, the challenges and opportunities. What are you seeing or what is NEI seeing when advocating for the support of advanced reactors? Yeah, well, so what we, we recognize is that uh, a lot of the focus needs to be on helping the first customers adopt the technology. The, the government uh, and, and industry have been working for a long time on developing this advanced technology. We're getting to the point of uh, beginning to start licensing many uh, designs. And but we're at the, the the market adoption phase, and I think many people have heard the term "valley of of death" and and what that means. Every technology crosses it, and what it means is it's at the point where the government is not uh, supporting the early development of technology, and they're transferring it over to industry to begin to adopt it. But at the same time, the technology is often not yet uh, proven enough for uh, the, the customers to, to go out and, and just bring, you know, purchase it. Mm. Uh, and so that risk is what we need to address. And we're advocating with our federal uh, government and also with state governments, uh, the types of things that, that the government can do to, to help customers adopt this, both at the federal and the state level. Um, and those are things like, well, how do we how do we partner uh, to uh, address the the potential risk that these projects might be delayed or complicated, uh, and costs might increase as as we go forward, um, and 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 other things like that. And I'll just I'll just add on to what what Mark said because if if you look at what we're doing at EPRI, it, it it aligns really well with what with what Mark's doing at NEI. So from an EPRI standpoint, you know we're doing everything we can to reduce risk and uncertainty in these projects. So we're developing new construction technologies and those types of things that, you know, really try to provide more certainty in the construction process, um, but also hopefully reduce risk and ultimately reduce cost as well. And to the point of EPRI and NEI working together, earlier I mentioned that the two organizations recently released a roadmap for the future at advanced nuclear reactors Craig, can you tell us a bit about the roadmap and the goals for this? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you know, Mark did a great job of talking about, you know, the number of new reactors that we're going to need um, to, you know, be successful in this, this clean energy transition that we're going through. Um, you know, certainly in the U.S., you know, as many as 300 small modular reactors, if you use that as a, a way to measure how many plants. Um, if you look internationally, we're talking about as many as 2,000 new plants 
all of this happening in about a 25-year time period up until 2050. So it's really an unprecedented number of plants that we're going to build in this like unprecedented time period. Um, and the only way we're going to be successful in doing that as an industry is if we all work together. It's not just about picking one technology or you know one deployment model. It's about building lots of technologies with lots of different models. Um, and of course, with the scale of what we're talking about, that strains a lot of pieces of the ecosystem. So workforce, supply chain, you know, on Mark's side of the business, you know, the regulatory um, challenges that come with that. And so how are we going to, how are we going to close all these gaps? How are we going to get across the finish line? And so a couple of years ago, we realized we've got to have a, a, a common song sheet, so to speak, to be singing from here. We need to identify what all the opportunities are, where the needs are, what, what actions industry needs to take. We need to get all of those in one document. Um, so it's very clear who's doing what, who should own what, but then also use that as a way to rally the industry together. So instead of thinking about one project, this is about rallying the industry together kind of for the future of the industry. Um, and so that's what we've done in this document is it outlines, you know, key enablers, um, which Mark can talk more about that, you know, that we need to have in order to be successful. Then it outlines 46 key actions we need to take as an industry to be successful. But then we've also formed, you know, something that we co- call a roadmap implementation board. So we formed a, a governing body made up of executives from the industry to oversee this. So we're really treating this uh, roadmap as, uh, you know, really, you know, less than a document and more like an initiative that the industry is going to run with the, for the next future to use it really as kind of like our guiding uh, tool to get us across the finish line. And Mark, how has it been received since it came out in May? I'll tell you, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive uh, from everybody that, that we've talked to. Certainly, um, the, the members of NEI and EPRI, which are industry companies, uh, have been largely supportive of it. We've been talking with uh, government um, partners and uh, like the Department of Energy and the National Laboratories. They're uh, very supportive of it, and as well as um, other non-governmental organizations that are out there that are promoting uh, clean energy and nuclear as part of, of that clean energy. I think part of the, the success in, in, in the, the uh, wide, widespread reception of, of the report is, is based on the fact that, uh, you know, Craig and I work really hard to engage those stakeholders early on in the process and throughout so that we could incorporate their perspectives in, into the roadmap. Uh, and, and so we, we have done that. And, and just an example of, of, uh, that reflects that, uh, you're probably familiar with the DOE liftoff reports and they have one for advanced nuclear energy that came out, uh, shortly before our report. And if you look at the two reports, they're talking about the same strategies. They're talking about the same opportunities, the same challenges, the same policy needs, the same actions. And, and so they're, they're very well aligned. There's, there's a small difference between the two reports. Uh, DOE's liftoff report focuses more on what the government can do uh, to help here. We focus more on what the industry can do uh, to solve the challenges, and and that makes sense because uh, each each one knows themselves better than 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 the rest. So, and you were talking about DOE um, and 
obviously they are very U.S. focused. Um, but we know that nuclear is a global energy resource. Um, there are reactors across the world. So how is this roadmap? Uh, is it focusing on North America? Is it focusing globally? Is there a phased approach? Craig, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how the roadmap is focusing regionally? Yeah, that's a great, great comment. So the, you know, the the first thing is phase one of this roadmap, which is what has been published to date, is for North America, um, primarily United States and Canada. Uh, and the reason why we've, we've, we've chosen to go with this phased approach is because, you know, the challenges or opportunities in any one given region of the world are, are significant and they're different from others, particularly when you look on the regulatory and policy side. Um, and so it really allowed us to focus on, you know, a, a smaller set of issues for one given region of the world and then do the other one separately. Um, so phase one is focused on North America. Uh, phase two is going to be focused on Europe. We've actually already begun planning that. We actually have some internal planning meetings later this year planned. But phase two for Europe, we plan to publish by the end of 2024. Um, and then we have also begun planning a phase three, which will be for Asia, uh, which is looking more like the 2025 timeframe. So ultimately, we do want this effort to support the entire world. Uh, but for today, you know, so far we've published North America. Great. So we have just a couple minutes left. So with that time, um, do either of you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, Samantha, I have one. I, I know one question I get a lot is whether there's bipartisan support for, for nuclear energy or, or if we see that it's a partisan issue. And, and I'll tell you, there is strong bipartisan support for, for nuclear energy and advanced reactors. And we've seen it at the federal level for a very long time. Every president uh, since, uh, you know, the second George Bush, Obama, uh, Trump, and, and now Biden have all strongly supported it. Republicans and Democrats in Congress have supported it for, for a long time. It's interesting because we, we all know our, our Congress is, is, is um, you know, like, loves, thrives on, on the conflict between the parties. But advanced nuclear, there is no conflict. And, and it's the one thing that, that our Congress can can really agree on. And, and so we see a lot of bills uh, supporting nuclear energy from there. The states have uh, more recently become uh, interested in, in, in pursuing uh, nuclear energy. Uh, I saw in the beginning, there was a, a little bit of, of um, partisanship in it that, oh, your, your party likes it. My, maybe my party shouldn't like it because we're different parties. That's gone away and, and there's strong bipartisan support at, at the, the state level is, as well. And I'll tell you the, the reason is because, um, you know, in politics, everybody has different priorities, but nuclear energy is the one thing that can address everybody's different prior, prior, uh, priorities. So if your priority is, is climate change, then we solve that issue. If your priority is national security, we solve that issue. If, if your priority is res, uh, resilience and reliability, we solve that issue. If your, if your issue is, economics and creation of jobs and exports, we solve that issue. So it's, it's, I, I think truly it's our value proposition that is, that has really resulted in, in strong um, support. Craig, anything to add before we close out the episode? Yeah, I think, you know, beyond what Mark said, I think, you know, what, what's in front of us with this clean energy transition is a, a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. 
um, for, particularly for those of us that that work in nuclear every day, you know the number the number of plants that we're talking about building in this time period is really exciting, and it's a really big opportunity um, to work on something that you know makes a difference, but is also um, you know a lot of fun to work on, honestly. Um, and you know it's a it's a big challenge. It's a big opportunity. Um, it's going to take all of us working together in order to get there, but I think we can get there if we all work together and the roadmap gives us the perfect tool to use to rally around, um, to get where we want to go. Great. Well, Craig, Mark, thank you both for joining me today on this episode of the Epic Current. Our listeners and myself greatly appreciate it. And with that, we will catch you again in two weeks. Thanks and have a great rest of your day. If you like today's show, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more information about EPRI, please visit our website at www.epri.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at EPRI News. Together, we are shaping the future of energy.